special dedication to those who listen to this program from across the nation. From the heart and soul of Wendell Wallace, you have my greatest respect and admiration. Wendell's World in Sports is a podcast like no other, made for the listening pleasure for my sisters and brothers. My passion for the sports happenings of the world today overflowing. My skills and talent will always be showing. A king like Bernard, my podcast will be held in his highest regard. Hope that my listening base will be reached from near and afar. My episodes in this greatness are like that of Tom Brady's. My podcast is great for all the fellas and ladies. You say my podcast isn't the best? Man, you must be crazy. Holding up the Champions Cup like the Tampa Bay Lightning hold up the Cup of Stanley. Sacking the competition more times than Dexter Manley. I will deal with the fools and haters quite handedly and quite candidly. I'm that damn good. So please, stay in your lane. What I'm doing, you can't be a partaker. If you even think about messing with my show in the words of The Undertaker. You will rest in peace. Wendell's World in Sports. Download, subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, enjoy anywhere, anyway, anyhow you listen or watch your favorite podcast. Sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? What well, time's coming when we're going to have to handy up? Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. Mahomes looking the flip, takes it in for the touchdown. And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lim Bias, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace. Bonjour, bonsoir, monsieur, mademoiselle, je m'appelle Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World in Sports, so glad that you could be with us. Que pasa, mi amigos, me llamo Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. Shalom, assalamu alaikum, good morning, good amen, namaste, konnichiwa, welcome to Wendell's World in Sports, salutations to all, Wendell Wallace here, so glad that you could be with us, hope that you're doing everything that you need to do. To make your world, to make your neighborhood, to make your block, to make your household, to make your community, to make your place of employment, to make your classroom, to make your school, to make your university, to make your region, to make your state a much better place to be. How can we do that? Especially for my generation. Find someone of a different race. Find someone of a different gender. Befriend someone from a different side of the track. Befriend someone and have discussions with those from different political backgrounds who might be worshiping a different God that they worship a God at all. Find someone who might love someone different than you. Have a conversation, not breaking bread, not saying you're going to name your firstborn after him, but have a conversation. Shut up, listen, so we can learn, so we can grow together, so we can love, peace, unity, harmony, empathy, sympathy for all who deserve it in this world today. If we could do that, this world would be a much better place. That's the first thing that I always ask, and of course, Getting back to my podcast anywhere, 
where you listen to your favorite podcast. iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. Do me a favor. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Most importantly, enjoy the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast. If you could do that, man, it would make me the happiest human being walking the face of the earth. Special dedication in this podcast is going to be dedicated to the life and the memory and the achievements and the accomplishments and the impact of the great Carl Weathers. Apollo Creed fame, Rocky fame, Action Jackson, uh, Happy Gilmore, Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Carl Weathers was one of the first black superheroes, as we can say. Before there was Dwayne The Rock Johnson and a couple of others. In between Jim Brown, who was really the first black action hero. Um, Carl Weathers was that guy. Had the look, had the physique, had the charisma of that guy. And um, he was machismo as a black man. And uh, to do that in Hollywood and have the career that he had. And he didn't have to rely just on muscle. This man was a very, very excellent and talented actor also. So rest in peace to the one and only Carl Weathers who passed away this past week at uh, 75. So I want to uh, throw that out there. There's just some folks where you kind of look and you say, man. Now Carl Weathers reportedly died in the sleep. But it's a situation where it's like, man, you take a look at that guy. And even... If you take a look at Weathers near the end of his life, I mean, he was still looking good. I mean, he wasn't frail. He wasn't feeble. He wasn't... You see some of these bodybuilders when in their 20s and their 30s and such, and you see them in their later stages of their lives, in their 60s and their 70s, and they're all shriveled up, and they don't look anything like they did, not even close, not even a facsimile of what they did, even when they were coming down from their bodybuilding careers and stuff. Carl Weathers, while sure he didn't have the physique that he had back in his, you know, younger days, of course, but Carl Weathers was still looking good for his age in terms of his physique, in terms of just the way he looked. He didn't look that age. So, um, yeah, well, there's a situation like when Carl Weathers dies at the age of 75, is like, man, maybe I should go ahead and eat a little, keep, eat, eat some more fruits and vegetables. Maybe I should go to the gym a little bit more because depending upon what he died of, if Carl Weathers can be taken down at 75, me at 54, what, what chance do I have of, of, of making it? So rest in peace to the legend, Carl Weathers. Um, a lot of good stuff that I'm going to be discussing today on my podcast. This is going to be NBA centric, really is, because look, I... <clears throat> The Super Bowl is this upcoming week, and I know I should be going on and on and on about the Super Bowl. I know I should be talking about Kansas City. I know I should be talking about San Francisco. I know I should be talking about uh, Patrick Mahomes. I know I should be talking about Brock Purdy. I know I should be talking about all these things. But, man, I just really haven't been feeling it this week. Now, the weather outside has been dreary, has been raining just the way I like it. No, 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 no. Not just the way that I like it. Just the way that I absolutely freaking love it. Love it. I'm recording this podcast on a Tuesday afternoon and it's gray outside. There's not a cloud in the sky. Yesterday it rained all day. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was windy. It was cold. It was awesome. Now how people are, now there might be people in Chicago. There might be people in cold weather states who might be sitting up there scratching their heads talking about, wait a minute, man. It was rainy. It was gloomy. It was dreary. It was all of these things. You're talking about it was heaven. You're talking about far as weather-wise, it was fantastic. It was was wonderful. It was must-be-in type of weather. Yes, because guess what? In about, I don't know, maybe a couple of days when the sun's going to come back out, I don't know when we're going to see rain again. It might be a month. 
It might be four months. It might be six months. It might be eight months. We might not see another drop of rain out here in Las Vegas till maybe, maybe, possibly September. And coming up sooner than we expect is going to have our 118, 119, 112, 115 day uh, type of days. So yes, I am cherishing. I am absolutely loving days where there's no sun, where it's not hot and sunny, and there's something. I mean, during the days where we have droughts, where there's no rain at all, give me something. Give me a cloudy sky. Give me a breeze. But day after day after day, sunny and hot, sunny and hot, sunny, 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 sunny. Again, I know there's some people in other parts of this country, maybe other parts of the world who are sitting at me talking about, man, would you shut the fuck up with that nonsense? Out here is negative 15 degrees and there's 15 inches of snow on the ground. What are you you talking about up here talking about it's terrible and it's horrible that every single day for the most part is sunny and hot, sunny, 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 sunny. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, the repetition, you missed the change of seasons. Now, I don't want it to get to the weather of Chicago in, in February. I don't want it to get to be that low. But yeah, normally on a day like today, it's sunny, 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 sunny. I love the fact that there's a little bit of a change. I love the fact that there's going to be a situation where, hey, there's clouds in the sky. I love the fact that in a couple of hours tonight, there's going to be rain falling, or at least it's uh, projected, or at least that's the forecast. So, yeah, man, I'm happy, and I'm wonderful, and I'm loving it. Now, I know that, you know, coming out here, the Super Bowl week, and people thought, hey, Super Bowl in Vegas, the desert, blah, 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 the weather's going to be great, the weather's going to be wonderful. Well, hey, man, Grim and Barrett, the game is going to be played in a dome for the most part, so the game is not going to be compromised by the weather. And again, I'm a guy, and I told you this this past podcast, I don't care about any of this minutia in terms of who's going to be winning in the storylines and all that kind of stuff. I don't care. I don't care about media day. I don't care what jokers and jokettes are going to be asking stupid-ass questions to the uh, to the coaches and the players, like, what's your favorite olives and what's your favorite color? And, oh, my goodness, uh, Brock Purdy, will you marry me? And all that kind of stupid shit. I'm not interested in that at all. Just get me to the game. Not the pregame, not when the broadcast starts, not when they start reviewing it. Get me to the game when the ball is in the air and the game has started. When 15 minutes of the first quarter becomes 1459, 1458, 1457, then I'll be interested in the Super Bowl. Before that, hey man, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. And I'm not going to do it, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I would love to sit here and talk about the third string fullback for the uh, San Francisco 49ers and what the impact of the safeties and the and 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 the and the line and which line is going to be stronger between the two teams and what does Patrick Mahomes have to do and how is he going to attack this defense and what does Brock Purdy need to do to attack the Kansas City defense and how are the wide receivers? I would love to talk about all that, but I just don't have the uh, I just don't have the desire to do so. I'd much rather talk about my wife. I'm much, when it comes to sports, I'd much rather talk about my wifey till death do us part. I'd much rather talk about my Selma Hayek. I'd much rather talk about my Monica Bellucci. I'd much, much rather talk about my Halle Berry. I'd much rather talk about my Jada Fire. I'm much Jada Fire. Don't look it up if you're over 18 years, if you're under 18 years old, kids. But I'd much rather talk about the loves of my life when you're speaking about uh, the NBA. And I've been neglecting my wifey. I've been neglecting the NBA because I've been speaking about my side piece, which is the uh, NFL. When it, term, when it comes to 
the determination of loves of my sports. So yeah, I'm going to dedicate this mostly to the NBA. And maybe I might touch on my commanders hiring Dan Quinn as the head coach and hiring Cliff Kingsbury as the offensive coordinator. And what does that mean going forward with the draft? Because they had the number two draft pick and they can't draft Caleb Williams, are they going to draft a Jalen Daniels, who is more fit, I think, to run a Cliff Kingsbury offense than, say, uh, Drake May. I'll save all that stuff for later, man. After Sunday, after this this podcast, next podcast, I can break down what happened with the uh, trade deadline in the NBA. Something tells me it's going to be quiet. Something tells me there's not going to be any blockbusters, blockbuster moves that are going to shake or have a, have a seismic change in terms of which teams are going to be doing what in the NBA. I don't think there's a, there's a player out there that's going to be moved to a team that all of a sudden is going to catapult them to contention in the um, NBA playoffs or winning an NBA championship. So there, there's nothing on the horizon. Kevin Durant is not going to be traded. LeBron James is not going to be traded. Steph Curry is not going to be traded. James Harden has already been traded earlier this season. So there's really not a player of impact. Anthony Davis is not going to be traded. For all intent and purposes, it looks like DeMar DeRozan is not going to be traded. So any possible player that could be traded to a team like the Lakers or be traded to a team like the Nuggets or be or, or traded to a team like, say, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks or the Philadelphia 76ers now since Joel Embiid is going to be lost for four weeks after uh, knee surgery or a, a trade that can help out the Atlanta Hawks or a trade that can help out, say, the Cleveland Cavaliers make that, make that seismic leap to all of a sudden becoming serious championship contenders or playoff contenders. Nothing like that is percolating right now concerning the NBA. But again, I've been neglecting my wifey long enough for me to sit there and not do anything. I've got to be talking about them. Yes, even I'm even going to be starting off with uh, the NBA All-Star Game less than two weeks from now. As much as I love the NBA, this is one situation where I really don't care <laughs> for the most part. You have the All-Star Game starters and reserves. When taking a look at the starters for the East and the reserves for the East, and then you talk about the starters for the West and the reserve for the West. If the West have, I don't know, maybe 75, 70% interest in playing, they should win this game by at, least, by at least 45 points, especially when you're speaking about the starters for the East. One of them, of course, being Joel Embiid, um, no longer playing in the game again because of knee surgery. But the starters for the East, Giannis Adenikupo, Joel Embiid was voted in there. Again, he's not playing. Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, and Jason Tatum. Starters for the West include LeBron James, Luka Dantic, Kevin Durant, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Nikola Jokic. When you take a look at the All-Star Reserves for the Eastern Conference, Bam Adebayo, Miami Heat, Paolo Bencaro, Orlando Jalen Brown, Boston Jalen Brunson, who really should be starting over Damian Lillard, New York, Tyrese Maxey, Philly, Donovan Mitchell, Cleveland, and Julius Randle, who looks like he'll be missing the All-Star game because of shoulder issues. So those are the reserves for the Eastern Conference. For the Western Conference, the reserves, listen to this, listen to this lineup, y'all. Listen to these reserves for the West. Devin Booker, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Carl Anthony Towns. You tell me anywhere. You tell me, you look at these two rosters up and down, and you tell me anywhere, you 
put any type of scenario in front of me that has the East winning this game. Again, unless unless the West just don't give a damn. Unless they come out 30, 40, 45% effort and the East goes balls to the wall, then there's no way, in my opinion, that the West can win. So, of course, the East is going to win the All-Star game. But I take a look. One of the interesting things, though, when you speak about the All-Star game, look, you have LeBron who doesn't care about this. He's been in a million of them. He doesn't care. Luka doesn't care about this game. Jokic doesn't care about this game, especially Jokic, because it's the antithesis of everything that he believes in as a basketball player, where you see guys dribbling 55 times and taking crazy shots and going one-on-one. That's not Jokic's game. So it always looked like... It always looked like he gets bored rather easily in these games. He's kind of like, all right, man, can I play my minimum minutes and get me the hell out of here? Because this is just kind of boring. But, you know, Kevin Durant has played in a million of these. LeBron James has played in a million of these. So most of these guys on the Western Conference All-Star team, I'm not really going to be really into it, I don't think. And when I say not into it, I don't. They, they, their, their agendas have already been set. Or again, this is not their style of play. For Luka, it's not his style of play. But when you take a look at players with something to play for, the only way possible, the only way that the East has a chance to win, I take a look at players with something to play for, like a Tyrese Halliburton or like a like 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 a Maxi, like a Jalen Brown or someone like that. Who wants to who you know, Kobe always used to come into the All-Star game with an agenda. Every year you would see one of these guys who was playing ball to the walls, game seven of an NBA final intensity, while everybody else was playing like it was a pickup game in the, in, in the middle of the summer. Less than that. So you'd have one guy doing everything, and the other guy just sitting around going, fuck it, let him score, I don't give a fuck. Well, you know, just as long as I don't get injured, I don't care. So I think Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton, I know he's been injured. I know he's been on a minutes restriction. But Tyrese Halliburton seems like one of those guys where everyone is laxing and everyone else is really not giving a damn. Tyrese Halliburton is going to play with NBA Finals intensity. I think Tyrese Maxey is another one who's going to be playing with that type of uh, enthusiasm. I think Jalen Brunson is a guy. He fits the bill perfectly. When you take a look, when you when you speak of the narrative, Jalen Brunson, a guy who was overlooked his entire life, a guy who, you know, had to beg and plead to go to Villanova, a guy who was drafted in the second round by the Dallas Mavericks of the NBA, a guy who the Dallas Mavericks didn't want, so he had to go to the New York Knicks. And then he go to the New York Knicks, and as the way that he's playing now, playing now signs a below-average contract compensatory to how he's playing or his level of play right now. Then there was a situation where he wasn't named the starter for the All-Star game. So so everything in Jalen Brunson's life when it comes to basketball has been a slight, has been a disrespect. So I think Jalen Brunson might have an agenda this game to uh, stick it to those who thought that he was an All-Star level caliber, that type of thing. I don't know. Anthony Edwards looked like he has something to prove. SGA, St. Gildas Alexander looks like he has something to prove. But but look, you know, I I, I really can't get that much into the All-Star game. And I know I, you take a look at the All-Star snubs, you take a look at the Trey Young, who is probably going to replace um, Embiid, or he's going to replace one of the uh, injured uh, players for the Eastern Conference, whether it be, in, be Embiid or Julius Randle. So, you know, as of right now, as recording this on a Tuesday early afternoon, Trey Young has been snubbed. 
De'Aaron Fox. I think it's on the All-Star game, but I'm not sure. Rudy Gobert, who's been the best defensive player in the NBA this season by far. He didn't make the All-Star team. Jamal Murray, the second best player on the Denver Nuggets. He didn't make the All-Star team. Derek White, who you could possibly say is the second best player on the Celtics. The second most valuable player on the Celtics. No, not Drew Holiday. No, not All-Star Jalen Brown. But Derek White, he didn't make the All-Star game. So, you know, those are the snubs. But again, I, I just, I, I really just can't get into it. Now, Jared Allen might be another guy who might replace one of the front court players for the Eastern Conference to play in the All-Star game. But I, I, I really can't take it seriously because the players, for the most part, can't take it seriously. And I've had this idea for a while. In terms of getting the players, not that they're going to go again, not that they're going to have the intensity and the competitive level of a game seven of the NBA playoffs. And this is an exhibition game. So, look, we don't expect these guys to play with that type of intensity. But still, you want to get some juice into this game. You want to have the players start caring more about this game. Let's switch up the All-Star game from Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. Let's have this. Let's have America, also known in my book as the racist, ignorant, divided states of America. Let's have our American-born players go against the world. Now, that would be interesting because we've been having this narrative now about since 1996. The world is catching up. The world is catching up. Basketball more than any other sport, maybe outside of football because football is really not played anywhere else in the, on the planet But when you speak about basketball, basketball has always been synonymous with American dominance. Because again, basketball is played all over the world. The game of basketball, the professional leagues of basketball, there's more professional leagues for basketball than probably, possibly any other sport in the world, with maybe the exception of soccer, football, as they might call it in the other parts of the uh, world. But basketball, when you speak about the impact that it's had in China, basketball, when it, when you speak about the impact that it's had in Europe, basketball, when you have the impact that it's had all over the world, the foreign-born players are now starting to catch up, and we see the fruits of their hard work and their dedication toward the game of basketball. When you take a look at the best player in the game, if it ain't Nikola Jokic, it's Joel Embiid. If it ain't Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid, it's Giannis and Nakupo. If it ain't Giannis, if it ain't Embiid, if it ain't Jokic, it's Canadian board Shane Gilgis Alexander, who was inspired possibly to play the game from watching Vince Carter. So you take a look at some of these great players that are running the game right now. You take a look at a Luka. You take a look at a Shea. You take a look at a Jokic. You take a look at an Embiid. You take a look at a Nakupo. And you see that, man, while in terms of the number of great players, the ignorant, racist, divided states of America still are head and shoulders above because we're speaking about, when I speak about a Jokic, when I speak about an Embiid, when I speak about all these other foreign-born players, they're all scattered all over the rest of the planet. But when you concentrate it to just one country, yes, America, yes, the ignorant, racist, divided states of America, we still have the best basketball players in the world. But I would just love, how much more intriguing would you 
would you uh, think about the game? Or how much more interested would you be in the game if you had an all-star game where it was the world versus America, where the starting lineup for the world for Indianapolis on the 18th of February would be, uh, for the world, would be Nikola Jokic, Luka Dantich, Giannis Dendenekupo, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and say, um, say, uh, Demontis Sabonis, right? Arvidas' kid. And starting lineups for the USA would be, um, you know, Kawhi or Jason Tatum, LeBron, Steph, KD, and at the center position would be, um, would be Bam out of Bayou. How much more interesting would that be? And look, we can fill out the rest of the players in terms of the world is concerned with reserves from, again, all over the country, including Canada for them. Right, but just for our country, how much more interesting would that be? How much harder would these guys play if that was the case? How much harder would the American-born players play if that was the case? That would be, that would be interesting. So that would be my deal, man. That would be my, that would be my one little exception or one, my one little change to All-Star Weekend or the All-Star Game itself. Not interested in the dunk contest. Skills competition, a little bit. I'm interested in a three-point shooting contest between um, the woman from uh, the WNBA challenging Steph Curry. I'm very interested in uh, seeing that. Not not that I'm going to be rooting for the man or the woman and not saying that uh, uh, Sabrina, oh, I forgot her last name, but the woman who's going to be challenging Steph Curry for the three-point shooting contest. This isn't Billy Riggs versus Billy uh, Billie Jean King. This is not a situation where if, uh, this woman be Steph Curry, all of a sudden now women should be doing this, that, and the other, and the women's liberation and the Me Too movement as a new Jackie Robinson or some nonsense like that. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's just all in plain, clean, good fun. So I'm just, <laughs> just I'm just leaving it at that. I, hey, look, look, being part of a minority group, Especially being part of my community, black community. I know that we always look to see what we can do to make inroads in our situation and take things maybe and kind of put it in and put it on pedestals to where it's kind of like, hey, look, man, you know, I'm just trying to do this, that, and the other. I mean, white folks are being like, hey, man, I'm just trying to do this, that, and the other. I don't know where you got the racial thing from, but uh, look, man, I'm just this, that, and the other. It's like, why? It's just like, where, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, man. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm part of that. I'm part of that. That's sort of my fault. But uh, again, being like a minority group, you know, this woman going up against Steph Curry. Come on, Sabrina. You got to win. You got to beat Steph Curry. Because if they do, we can shatter this notion. We can shatter the stereotype. Shatter the stereotype. We can go ahead and prove that women basketball players are just as good as men basketball players. And the WNBA is just as good as the NBA. There's more stars in the WNBA than they are in the NBA. Which means that the women's movement, the now, the, the, the now movement, the Me Too movement, and all that kind of stuff, will be doing this, that, and the other. All off a three-point shooting contest? <laughs> it's like, so it's like, I know there's going to be something out there. I know that there's going to be someone out there female out there, woman activist who's going to go out there, and she's going to take it that way. She's got to win. She's got to win for the women's movement. She's got to win. Her win against Steph Curry in the three-point shooting contest is going to encourage 
is going to inspire this woman or this little girl sitting at home to say that I can do the same thing too. I can beat my father and my brothers at shooting too. It's going to inspire me to go out there and become a great shooter and be a great basketball player, which is going to turn into the advancement of women in this country, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh my goodness gracious, really? Really off of this? But then again, I digress. Because again, I come from a I come from a group of folks who do the same thing with uh, with with some of our stuff. So with some of our grievances, with some of our trials and tribulations, where it's kind of like, look, man, we're trying to get farther as a people and as a and as a community. But uh, this example, nah, don't think so. Really, don't think so. So there we go. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So the NBA trade deadline this week, the NBA standings. Um, I'm just going to go through the top six in great detail from both the um, Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. I mean, you know, we, when, we, when we get past the play-in tournament, the NBA has some really bad teams at the bottom of the barrel in terms of the standings is concerned, both in the, both in the Eastern Conference and in the Western Conference. So there's no need for me to go on and on about the Detroit Pistons. There's no need, even though they're my team, unfortunately. There's no need for me to go on and on and on about the Washington Wizards because it would just be a moaning, whining bitch fest about how bad the Wizards are. I had the opportunity to watch them play this week against the uh, LA Clippers here on here on the local Fox network and um, had the opportunity to see them play on Sunday against the um, Phoenix Suns. Whoo, we're bad. We are bad, we are bad, we are bad, we are bad. And we have no direction. We have no direction with this franchise. What is Michael Weiner doing? I'm putting my trust in him. But where can we look? At least at least the Detroit Pistons, they have Cade Cunningham as a possibility. At least with the other bad teams in the NBA who are drowning in awfulness, at least they have some type of life raft. At least they have some type of life vest. At least Charlotte has Lamelo Ball. At least the at least the San Antonio Spurs has Victor Wembanyama. At least they have something to grasp on. At least they have something to believe in. At least they have something to have a dream with. Where are we? What are we doing at the Wizards? What's our dream? What's our hope? Why why should we continue to hold on? Why because of the the uh, rookie kid from from from. France, Koulibaly, that's our guy? There's no one else. You can't put it on Kyle Kuzma. You can't put it on Jordan Poole. You can't put it on Daniel Gafford. You can't put it on anybody on that team. There's nobody on that team. Denny Avia and Koulibaly, those are the only two that would probably be in a rotation for teams that are decent in this league, let alone rotation players for teams that are winning championships. If you trade Koulibaly to the Denver Nuggets, he ain't getting any run. If you trade Koulibaly to the Boston Celtics, he ain't getting any run. If you trade him to the Milwaukee Bucks, he ain't getting any run. And the same thing with Denny Avia. And there are two best players or two players that we might have to uh, mortgage our future on in terms of trying to get better. It ain't Jordan Poole. It ain't Kyle Kuzma. It ain't Daniel Gafford. It ain't DeLon Wright. Did I say I wasn't going to talk about the Wizards because I didn't want to bitch <laughs> I'm sorry, bad Wendell, bad Wendell. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not gonna be. Spe- <laughs> I'm not 
I'm not going to be speaking about the direct of the uh, NBA, even though I just wasted. Man, how about that? I don't know. How long did I go speaking about the Wizards? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know that's three minutes of me rambling that you can't get back in your life. I'm sorry. So let me... <laughs> I apologize. I can need a baker. I apologize for talking about my Wizards. So um, let me go ahead and speak about the top six teams in the Eastern Conference. Number one, of course, Boston Celtics 38-12, 7-3 in their last 10 games. Um, bad loss this past Thursday against the Los Angeles Lakers. Playing without LeBron, playing without AD. Yeah, I know Austin Reeves had a whole bunch of threes, and he had 28 by half or some nonsense like that, finished with 32. D'Angelo Russell, man, D'Angelo Russell, and I'll get to this in the last um, segment of the program of teams who should be buying and selling at the trade deadline. D'Angelo Russell who keeps saying, I don't want to leave, I don't want to leave, I don't want to leave. Well, he's playing. His stock value was going up and up and up and up over the last uh, couple of weeks. He's been playing much better, had a really good game. Um, while AD and LeBron were out, he had a good game against Boston. But, uh, you know, Boston lost that game. They lost at home to the Los Angeles Clippers, 115-96. Got a little bit of mojo back. Got back on the track just a little bit, if I could use that cliche, by beating Memphis this past weekend. But I still think that Boston is the best team in the NBA. I still think Jason Tatum, now that Joel Embiid is going to be missing four weeks, is the best player in the um, Eastern Conference. And when you take a look at the changes that the Celtics made in terms of the offseason for them to acquire Christoph Porzingis and Drew Holiday and makes them that much stronger going into the playoffs. Now, we have to kind of hold our breath. If you're a Boston Celtics fan, you have to hold your breath just a little bit with Christoph Porzingis because he has been injury prone and his playoff performances when he was with the Knicks, when he was with the Dallas Mavericks, has been less than sterling. But this is a situation where, hey, with him being the third wheel, at least on the offensive end behind um, Tatum and Jalen Brown, the pressure or the responsibility that he had when he was supposed to be the Robin to Lucas Batman when he was in Dallas, I think that is going to be lessened for him just to strive and to perform better because the pressure and the responsibility is not going to be on him. And you take a look at the acquisition of Drew Holiday, an NBA champion, one of the best two-way players in the NBA, a guy who can guard multiple positions, even though he was eaten alive by Jimmy Butler the last time that uh, Holiday was playing in a playoff series, I think if the Celtics come into the playoffs uh, in about 30-something games relatively healthy, I think that they are definitely the team to beat in the um, in the Eastern Conference, especially when you take a look at the others in terms of, okay, if it's not going to be Boston, who is going to be that team to beat them? What scenario can you play out? What scenario can you plan? What song can you write? What movie script can you write that's going to have the Celtics not making at least the NBA Finals? Because their main nemesis from getting to where they wanted to go or getting to where they need to go, want to go, expect to go. The Miami Heat for the last couple of years, they're not the same Miami Heat that beat the Boston Celtics in seven games last season, winning, what, two or three games on the Celtics' home floor. So um, they're, they're not that team anymore, and I'll get to the Heat a little bit later on. So it seems that this season... Things are really setting up quite well, again, with the loss of Joel Embiid for four weeks, the stuff that's happening with the Milwaukee Bucks and just some of their deficiencies. 
not only defensive end. It looks like Boston is going to have that opportunity to get into the uh, NBA Finals, get back to the NBA Finals um, <clears throat> again. The Milwaukee Bucks, 33-17, five games back of Boston. They've gone 1-3 since Doc Rivers became the head coach of the team. They lost to Denver, then Portland, beat Dallas when Giannis went crazy, then lost to Utah when Utah went crazy, outscored them something like 40-13 to 13 in the fourth. On the road, I don't know if that was a situation where it was the end of the road trip for Milwaukee. They retired. I don't know what it was, but uh, Utah Utah blitzed them in the fourth quarter. Took away, took took home that victory. Giannis is Giannis getting enough attention? Is Giannis getting enough spotlight when it comes to the MVP consideration? Because look, we all know that Joel Embiid was the runaway favorite to win the MVP, and rightfully so. And if it was a situation where, well, if it wasn't Giannis, then it was going to be Jokic. But I'm sitting here going, wait a second now, hold on for a second. Because when you take a look at Giannis and what he's doing, averaging 31 points, 11 rebounds, 6.5 assists per game, it's like a situation where why isn't Giannis getting a little bit more? I'm not saying that he's being snubbed. I'm not saying that he's being muted. I'm not saying anything like that. But, man, Giannis has been playing some ball this season. So when they always talk about, yes, the MVP candidates, Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, it's almost like they always put Giannis third. And, you know, I I can make a strong argument now that Embiid's out, depending upon how they finish the uh, second half of the season or or the post-All-Star break, that Giannis can make that move to win the MVP, especially when, A, Jokic really doesn't give a damn about winning the MVP. He's not going to be chasing the MVP. He's not going to be chasing numbers to solidify his um, opportunity or his chances to win the MVP. If Giannis goes crazy, which he's going to need to do, again, as he's going to be that focal point and Damian Lillard continues to mesh and uh, get and feel more comfortable with the uh, team, and Doc Rivers is going to be implementing his system. It's a situation now where Milwaukee, again, 33-17, they've they've benefited from having the easiest schedule the first half of the season. Now they're going to flip the script after the All-Star break and have the the hardest schedule. Now is a situation where everything is set up for Giannis to really, in terms of the individual award of the MVP, really start doing some things. So, yeah, man, against Dallas, <laughs> I saw the highlights because for some reason the uh, National Boys didn't put on the uh, game between Milwaukee and Dallas. I don't, I don't know when you're speaking about you know entertainment how you cannot have a game where Dallas is playing Milwaukee where you have Luca playing against Giannis and you don't have the game on television. But I forgot Dallas is not in New York. Milwaukee is not in Los Angeles. So all right, but um, yeah, Giannis went went nuts, man, against Dallas. Mavericks were up by 24 at the end of the first quarter on the road. When you're speaking about Milwaukee on that road against Dallas, then the Bucks outscored them by 36 over the next three quarters for the victory. And Adenakupo, 48 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and poor Maxi Kleba. Poor Maxi Kleba. <laughs> the, man, the man had no chance. The man had absolutely no chance. So, um... We'll see what happens. Lillard is still trying to find his way. He's putting up good numbers. I mean, if you take a look, if you're not following the Bucks on a regular basis, you're not following the box, box score, you really haven't seen them play much. Lillard is putting up 25 points a game, and you're saying, well, that's that, that's pretty good. 
but he's shooting 42.5%. That's the lowest percentage in almost 10 years. He's averaging only 17 shots per game, which is his lowest since the 2014-15 season. So, you know, everything is like, well, why aren't they running more pick and rolls? Why aren't they running more action for Lillard? Maybe it's a situation where Doc coming in is going to change that. Well, the first four games that Rivers has been coach of the uh, Bucks, Lillard had 13 shot attempts in 35 minutes versus Denver. He went five for 13. Could have needed him to shoot a little bit more and a little bit better. Had 23 shot attempts in 38 minutes in his homecoming against Portland in a game in which they lost. And then 11 shots in 38 minutes against Dallas. Now he was 10 for 11, but still, 10 for 11, he's that hot, 38 minutes, he's only going to put up 11 shots. And he had 18 shot attempts against Utah, which in which he was 5 for 18. So this is still a situation where, again, Lillard is still trying to mesh. Lillard is still trying to find his groove, trying to find his way. He's not going to put up as many shots as he did against Portland. I understand that. But it's got to be a situation where, look, Lillard is 1A on this Milwaukee Bucks team, and he is the closer. And you brought Lillard in here for that. Now, Chris Middleton has been in and out of the lineup, but still, the closer in these games is going to be Dame Lillard. And there's really no other reason to do so. Why in the world would you go ahead and make the trade with Drew Holiday going um, to Portland at the time that uh, the trade was made for Lillard? Why would you make that trade when you know that you're going to be sacrificing a whole lot of defense by bringing in Lillard for Holiday? Uh, for Holiday? But the thought was that hell, uh, Lillard's offense would subsidize his lack of defense or would minimize the impact of his lack of defense. Well, if he's going to be shooting 42% on 17 shot attempts and go 5 for 13, 9 for 23, 5 for 18, his defensive liabilities are too much to overcome such shooting uh, exploits. So we'll, we'll see about the Bucks moving on in that regard. The Cleveland Cavaliers are the number, the Cleveland Cavaliers, how about, how about this squad, man? They are, what, the number, the number three seed right now? In the uh, Eastern Conference, 32-15, won six games in a row. The hottest team in the league right now. No, not the Clippers, but the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've won 14 of their last 15 games. They beat up on the uh, Sacramento Kings last night, going from eighth in the Eastern Conference to third in the Eastern Conference. They had the league's number one defense over that 14-1 stretch. Eight of the 14 games have come against teams that currently have a rank in the bottom 10 offensively, while five has come against top 10 offenses. This, this this team right now doing this for the most part without Darius Garland who was suffering from a broken jaw and Evan Mobley who without an injury for that stretch. Now they're back. Now they can implement those two guys, especially Garland again trying to mesh, trying to find some chemistry with uh, Donovan Mitchell who made the All-Star game, but the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, when they first started this streak, it was like, okay, because they were coming off a losing streak and it was like, man, what's going on? And um, there might have been some scuttlebutt or there might have been some discussions about possibly trading Donovan Mitchell and could the Knicks get involved and take another swing at acquiring Mitchell to come to the New York Knicks via trade. So all of this stuff was going down when Cleveland was sitting in eighth place. And they were speaking about, well, were they going to be able to get in the play-in game? Were they going to be able to even win a first-round series and keeping Donovan Mitchell? What would that even mean? If that was going to be the situation, if the only thing that you were going to be striving for is to win a first round, first round playoff game, that was then. This is now. So when they started this winning streak, 
And after losing to Toronto 124-121 in overtime, they had back-to-back wins against the Washington Wizards. Big deal. Then they played San Antonio, another team that's lousy. Then Brooklyn and Chicago at home. And it was like, okay, I mean, you know, before we start dancing in the street like Martha and the Vandellas and start uh, dancing on the ceiling like Lionel Richie and start printing out Eastern Conference Championship t-shirts because of this winning streak, remember who they're doing it against. So skepticism reigned supreme. After that, they beat Milwaukee. Hmm, interesting. They beat Orlando on the road Hmm, in in Atlanta before losing to Milwaukee on the road. Again, it was like, yeah, the, the, the Cavaliers doing some things. Nice job, blah, blah, blah. But still, I'm not fully convinced about how legit the Cleveland Cavaliers are, despite the fact that, you know, at that time they went 6-1 and one or they were on a pretty good run. It's really not until they beat the beat the Bucks on the road, the 1-1200, and then at home they beat the Los Angeles Clippers, who were coming off a road victory in Boston, 118-108, in which a game in which Tyron Lue and the Clippers wanted to win. This wasn't a situation where, yeah, after that victory against Boston, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard sat and this, that, and the other. No, 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 no. Now the Clippers were going for that win. And then and the and the Cavaliers beat them. Now was now's a situation where it's like, oh, okay. Maybe this is a situation where this is not you know, this is not fool's gold. Now, do I think that the Cavaliers are on the same plane as the uh, Boston Celtics? No, we saw in the playoffs this past season, these past playoff seasons, that the Cavaliers can be bullied. And outside of that bubble performance against the uh, Denver Nuggets where he went mano-a-mano with Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell has not really had successful playoff runs, both with... uh, both with Utah and then last season with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we'll so we shall we shall see. Fourth place, the New York Knicks, thirty-two and eighteen, just had their nine-game winning streak snapped by the Lakers on Sunday. They've been winning despite Julius Randle and OG Ananobi being out with injuries. Dante DiVincenzo. Didn't he, man had like thirty-something points uh, a couple of nights ago? He went nine for fifteen from the three-point line. Forgot who they were playing, but uh, he had the Garden Rockin'. Had a great game in that situation, but he's been filling in for Inanobi. and been doing a great job, averaging almost 27 points over his last four games. The Knicks are 11-1 with both Jalen Brunson and Inanobi, Inanobi in the uh, rotation. And of course, despite the fact that Mitchell Robinson has been lost for the year, uh, Isaiah Hart- Hartenstein has been decent at the uh, center in his place. The Knicks are going to have to do something to find some size uh, moving forward. But, you know, the revelation of Jalen Brunson, again, has been extraordinary in terms of what he's been able to do. As a sidekick with Luka when he was with Dallas for that one year, he showed what he could do. But now as the main guy, now as being Batman for the New York Knicks, Jalen Brunson has been absolutely outstanding. Now, of course, we're always a little bit nervous with Tom Thibodeau as your coach, that guys like Brunson, guys like Imanobi, guys like uh, Jason Hart, guys like Julius Randle, because they play so hard during the regular season, it's almost like how much are they going to have left in the tank once the playoffs come, and is Thibodeau going to run these guys into the ground to um, take away some of their energy, their mojo, their passion, their desire, uh, from a physical standpoint once the uh, playoffs start. But uh, as of right now, the Knicks 
hey, man, the Knicks finally have a competent team in the Garden that they can cheer for. So give it up for them. Philadelphia 76ers in the number five seed, 30 and 19. Again, out. Uh, Joel Embiid is going to miss four weeks. He, um, let me see, he's going to be a, um, he's going to be meniscus tear. That's right. Meniscus tear this season. So, um, this stuff about Embiid going for the MVP and all this type of nonsense, this is kind of a mute point. There was a lot of backlash led by me in terms of, come on, man. I don't think that you're ducking Embiid, but damn, (laughs) we wanted to see this guy do his thing against Denver on the road after the performance he had against Jokic at home, but we didn't really understand how um, devastating or how injured he was. Don't know how the uh, Sixers are going to hold up during these four weeks. Now, it's going to be a situation where, hey, look, man, Tyrese Maxey's going to have to do a thing. Tyrese Maxey, we know that he's a pretty good Robin. He's been a very good Robin this year to win beats Batman. Now he's going to be Batman. And it's going to be interesting to see how this young fella is going to be able to handle this and who's going to be able to be a sidekick with him. Is it going to be Tobias Harris? I wonder who it's going to be in terms of not just from a scoring aspect, aspect, but also from a leadership aspect, holding it down. If the 76ers who lost uh, last night to the Mavericks in Kyrie Irving's return from a thumb injury, if the, if the 76ers can hold it to around 500. And again, Embiid's going to have surgery. Um, the NBA is going to take a post-All-Star break. So that factors in into the four weeks that he's going to miss. So he's not going to be missing a ton of games. But with Embiid, it's always going to be something, man. For Embiid, it's always going to be a situation. Even in terms of last season where he had his best season and he played a lot of games, he was still hurting and missed some games during the playoffs. So this is going to be an ongoing situation for Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. It's almost like Embiid is the big man Chris Paul in terms of getting injured. There's always three things that the death taxes and Chris Paul getting injured in the playoffs. Now you can also say four things. Death taxes, Chris Paul, and Joel Embiid getting injured in the playoffs. Again, with the rest, with the recovery, with the surgery, with him getting back in shape, where is that going to put Philadelphia in terms of winning a championship, in terms of vying for a championship once Embiid gets rip-roaring and ready to go back to the level that he was before the injury, before he had to miss some times, and can he be able to get back that level? Only time will tell for the number five seed in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia 76ers. And number six coming in is going to be uh, the Indiana Pacers, 28 and 23. Three and five since that blockbuster trade. Uh, Toronto sending Pascal Siakam over to the Indiana Pacers. Saw them play, was it Monday? I know the game was on TNT. I think it was Tuesday. They saw them play against Boston. Man, that's a herky-jerky Fun squad to watch. Now, Tyrese Halliburton has been on a minute restriction, or else I think that comeback that they would have had against Boston would have been would have been a fait accompli if he was able to play. But um, yeah, the, the Indiana Pacers—they're just a herky jerky play hard. Rick Carlisle has those guys concentrating more on offense than defense, but they're a fun team to watch. But again, they're eleven to four against the top five teams in the East. Before losing to Boston in New York again last week because of the restrictions to uh, Tyrese Halliburton. 
But uh, those, it'll be interesting to see, even though they made that trade for Pascal Siakam, what they're going to be doing also at the trade deadline coming in. The playing tournament in the Eastern Conference, the Orlando Magic, 27-23. and 23, Half game behind Indiana for the number six spot. Paulo Bancaro has been the best player on the team, but you could also make the argument that Franz Wagner might be the most important player when you take a look at the accomplishments, when you take a look at the scoring, when you take a look at the efficiency, when you take a look at the field goal percentage, when you take a look at all of those things surrounding the all-star Paulo Bancaro. In the game that Franz Wagner does not play, he's garbage. He's shooting... 39%, 23% from the three-point line, but when he's playing with Franz Wagner, he's averaging 25 points, shooting 47% from the field and 40% from deep. So, there you go with that. The Miami Heat, 26-24, and 24, a fading 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. Their defense has been a joke. Their offense has been terrible. And I don't want to hear about Heat culture. I don't want to hear about them turning it on with the playoffs comes. As you remember last year, last year what happened from them being minutes away from being not in the playoffs during the uh, in-season or during the um, playoffs to get into the playoffs to uh, being in the NBA championship, you, you can't rely on that, man. You can't just think that, okay, well, we'll just go ahead and we'll just mail in the regular season. And once the, uh, and once the uh, playoffs start, then we'll have that, us against the world mentality and grind and beat up everybody to make it to the NBA Finals. Jimmy Butler is not that same guy. One of the guys that you're going to be leaning on, that you're going to be relying on to do some things. Tyler Hero, he's definitely not that type of guy. Terry Rozier, I don't know if he's that type of guy. That trade from uh, Charlotte, it's going to make the Heat better, but still, it's not going to catapult them to being really uh, legit if they're going to be counting on Terry Rozier, Bam on the Bayou, okay, but still he's going to be going up against some monsters in the playoffs. I just think that the Heat have just run out of heatness in terms of uh, what they can do, in terms of the impact that they can make in the playoffs. So, again, they have a tough road coming up. Um, they're 2-8 in their last 10, not really feeling good about the Miami Heat. And then we have the Chicago Bulls, the last team that's going to be in the uh, play-in game as far as the playoffs are concerned. 23, 27, four and a half games back behind Indiana for the number six spot. Should they be sellers? Should they be traders at the trade deadline? Zach Levine, one of the players that was that was uh, spoken about in terms of um, being traded or possibility of being traded, uh, you know, maybe to the Los Angeles Lakers and maybe others and his trade value was going up and down. Well, he, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Because he's going to miss the rest of the season because of surgery on his right foot. So he's missed 23 of the previous 30 games. But you take a look at this. When he was out of the lineup, the Bulls were 13-12. and 12. Kobe White was a whole other player when he wasn't playing. So, look, you know, they've been better at both ends of the court. I, I, I've always considered, I've always thought about Zach Levine as that guy where He's not the third best player on the team that's going to win a championship. He's just not. But with the Chicago Bulls, you've got some guys on this team that might be able to give you some draft picks, who might be able to give you something moving forward in the future with DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso. But the Bulls are hell-bent by all accounts to uh, try to get into the uh, playoffs. So so we'll see. We'll see. The Atlanta Hawks, 22-28. and 28. I think the most disappointing team in the league and definitely in the Eastern Conference Saw them play against the Clippers last night. 149, 144. <laughs> 149, 
144. Yep, that's a fun team to watch. That is a really fun team to watch. I'll show you. There, there's some really fun teams to watch in the NBA because they just go balls to the wall when you speak about trying to score. The Indiana Pacers are one. The Atlanta Hawks are the other. They don't win when you're speaking about the Hawks because it, it, it's almost like a boxer who says, if you if 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 uh, I let you punch me in the face one time, can I punch you in the face two times? And the boxer might say, sure, because once I punch you in the face once, you're not going to have the ability to punch me in the face twice. You know why? Because you'll be seeing stars and you'll be on the canvas. So sure, I'll go ahead with that idea. On one condition, you let me hit you first. And that's almost like with the uh, Atlanta Hawks, who go through stretches, and it's kind of like, why is this team not better? And then you see them on defense, and you're like, oh, this is the reason why they're not any better. The backcourt of DeJounte Murray and Trey Young, I think, Young has had a, has a fantastic season, and by all accounts, he's improved the defense. But DeJounte Murray, who was supposed to be the guy who was known for his defense, it seemed like he's concentrating more on scoring points than he is defending anybody. Because on the defensive end, he's, he's, he's terrible. Clint, Clint Capella didn't play. He's going to be out with a week because of injury. But yeah, the, the Atlanta Hawks, they don't play any defense to really be considered anything. And they've had some bad, bad losses. They got blown out at home by the Washington Wizards. They let Luka score 73 points. If you watched the highlights of that game and you saw how Luka scored, it was layup after layup after layup after wide open shot after wide open shot. And that was coming off a game before where Luka was pissed because some guy from Golden State, a fan of Golden State, was telling him to uh, hit the treadmill. So Luka said, fuck you, get him out of here. And uh, Devin Booker led him up in the third quarter. So he was coming into Atlanta hot. He was coming into Atlanta to make a statement. The game before, he was embarrassing himself by yelling at the ref and letting the ref get into his head and the team's head and was being criticized for that by Jason Kidd after the game, even though Kidd did not mention him by name. But you kind of got the idea where he was going from or where he was directing his anger and his ire at. So Luka came into Atlanta ready to uh, r- ready to murder somebody as far as a basketball basketball is concerned and uh, he did so he he took out more he had more bodies he put more people in body bags that night 73 points 73 points and like 10 rebounds so yeah the Hawks are um, the Hawks are disappointing and of course are they going to trade DeJounte Murray and where they're going to trade him so the rest of the conference, you got the Brooklyn Nets, you got the Toronto Raptors, the Charlotte Hornets, my Washington Wizards, and Detroit Pistons bringing up the rear. So that's the Eastern Conference in the um, Eastern Conference, and that's where they're going. So let me go ahead. Let me take a boogie break. Come on back. I want to speak about the Western Conference, talk about the six teams and the playoffs and the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors and all that good stuff, where they're going, what they're doing, what's happening, and all that good stuff. I will be speaking on those topics, on those issues. Next, Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World in Sports.
Windows World and Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us on an absolutely gorgeous, overcast and breezy day out here in Las Vegas. No rain yet. No rain. But it's a coming. It's soon going to be coming. What I might do also is I live about 25 minutes away from Mount Charleston, the top of Mount Charleston, right up the... Um, Right up the uh, 95, you make a left and you go up for about 20 miles. I'm about I'm about three miles away from the exit to head on up to Mount Charleston. So I'm, you make that left and you just go all the way up. You go past Spring Mountain. You go past a couple of other places. Up there is going to be snowing. So uh, when this cold front or when this weather passes, I'm going to maybe head on up. I haven't been up to Mount Charleston in years. Not in years. It's a beautiful place. Absolutely beautiful place. Wonderful place up there to uh, hike, do a lot of things. You have Mount Charleston, and then you have Red Rock. The only difference, you have to pay to get into Red Rock. I'm not paying to get into Red Rock, but I will go up to a Mount Charleston and enjoy the cooler temperatures and um, that type of thing. So, yeah, maybe that'll be a plan maybe later on this week. But uh, right now I'm speaking about what's happening in the uh, NBA. I'm speaking about what's happening in the uh, Western Conference. I already spoke about what was going down, my thoughts and opinions about what was happening in the uh, Eastern Conference. So let's just delve into the first six teams of the Western Conference, shall we? Number one, really a tie for number one, but because of their record in the Western Conference, the number one seed will be is the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, Shea Gilgis Alexander being a MVP candidate. The Thunder are 35 and 15. They've won three of the three games in a row, eight of their last ten. One of the losses was to Detroit, so it was one of those where it's kind of like, yeah, you know, you throw that away. The Thunder have the best record, 10 and four in games played between the top eight teams in the league. Those more than 12 games over 500. Of course, the one thing that I'm interested in with the Thunder is because of their draft capital, Sam Pressy, uh obtaining all of the draft picks, the first and second round draft picks, more draft picks than any other team in the NBA, are they going to try to do something to beef up their front court a little bit more? Because as while Chet Holmgren has played well for a rookie, technically he is a rookie, even though you could say that this is his second year as an employee of the Oklahoma City Thunder as a basketball player. He missed last season because of a broken foot. But Holmgren has been a defensive presence in terms of blocking shots and such. He's, he um, stretches the floor because of his ability to put the ball on the floor. What he does is he, he pumps fakes. He puts the ball on the floor about two to three times. Then he does a spin move and go up for the shot. Uh, his ability to hit the three-point shot allows him to do so. But one of the things that might concern me if you're an Oklahoma City fan is the fact that with Holgren in the middle, is he going to be able to hold up for the entire season? There have been some laxes. There's been some um, evidence that through a couple of games, he's kind of hit the rookie wall. And again, you are speaking about a guy who missed the entire season last year. You are speaking about a guy who's slight a build. So if you're Holmgren or if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, Holmgren is going to be that quarterstone. Holmgren is going to be that defensive anchor. Holmgren is going to be there. But could you bring in a veteran big man to maybe give him a spell, maybe have that big man play somewhere between 8 to 12 to 15 minutes once the um, 
once the playoff starts and maybe even have a situation where you can move Holmgren for maybe two or three minutes at a time to the uh, power forward position. Maybe that could be something. So could you pick, pick up a versatile front court player for the Oklahoma City Thunder with all of those draft picks that you have? But uh, so far, hey, man, that team is well-connected. That team is young. They're together. The chemistry is great. I don't know what you're going to do about Josh Giddy, other than keep him away from all the high schools, especially if you're in California, especially in your Southern California. But uh, this, team is, um, this team is well-rounded. This team is good. This team is where they should be in terms of their talent and um, their expectations. So the Oklahoma City Thunder, number one, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the best defensive team in the NBA, Rudy Gobert, despite the fact not being on the all-star team, the best defensive player in the league. They're 35-15. and They um, uh, Anthony Edwards has stepped up. He, he has become a guy who can... Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's ready yet to lead a team to a championship, but he's starting to fulfill that role. He's starting to learn the lessons. He's, he 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 now has the pedigree. I think we now have enough evidence to say, okay, this guy's legit in terms of what we can do to build around him to eventually, in a short amount of time, get us to championship level, winning championship level experience. It's going to be a situation with Ed, with Edwards, who was the main guy for the. Uh, ignorant races divided states of America basketball team when they played overseas this uh, past summer he was the go-to guy he was one of the leaders of the of the group that was a good learning experience for him to eventually grow into that role mature into that role of being the leader of being the best player of a team that could win a championship again especially with some of the skilled players some of the players that they have around them when you speak about bringing in Chris Finch at the coach a couple of seasons ago bringing in the GM that made the trade for um for Rudy Gobert moving Carl Anthony Towns to a more suitable position for him to uh, thrive, him being an all-star. But yeah, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they have the offense, they have a good mix on defense um, to uh, to be legit. So I look for them to continue to uh, do what they're doing. Third place, and really the best team in the NBA, might be the Los Angeles Clippers, who have won now, what, five, four or five games in a row after, again, beating Atlanta 149 144 the other night. Are they the best team in the conference? Are they better than the Nuggets? Are they better than the Thunder? Are they better than the Timberwolves? Are they better than the Suns? More importantly, are the Los Angeles Clippers better than the Boston Celtics? Are they better than the Milwaukee Bucks? Are they better than any team that's coming out of the Eastern Conference? Is this going to be a situation this year that the Western Conference Finals are basically going to be the real NBA Finals. Say if the Clippers meet the Denver Nuggets or the Clippers meet the Minnesota Timberwolves. Are the Clippers that damn good? Because over the last 36 games, they've been a league-best 31-5. and They had the league's number one offense by a pretty healthy margin. Kawhi Leonard is averaging 26 points per game, or close to 26 points per game, shooting 57% from the field, almost 50% from three-point range, 93% from the foul line. The team went 6-10, excuse me, 6-1 on a seven-game road trip. Here's the most important thing, because I spoke about Giannis being MVP, or MVP consideration. 
I think people are sleeping on Kawhi Leonard. Number one, folks who are in the East Coast, they don't realize what's going on with the Clippers because when you speak about professional basketball in L.A., it's always Lakers, 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 LeBron, Lakers. But um, little brother, known as the Los Angeles Clippers, might not just have the best player in the city, might not just have the best player in the state, but they might have the best basketball player in the whole goddamn world when you're speaking about Kawhi Leonard and what he's been doing so far, averaging 23 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, um, well, half a block shot per game, shooting 46% from the 3-point line. Oh, and get this, the most important thing, of the Clippers' 49 games that they played this season, Kawhi's been in 44 of them. And when you speak about the Clippers, the roadblocks, what has been preventing them from reaching their expectations when they made the move, to bring Kawhi Leonard over, or when Kawhi made the decision to leave Toronto after winning a world championship with the Raptors and then going to his hometown team of the Los Angeles Clippers, convincing Paul George to do so. Also, Steve Ballmer buying the team and and, and bringing in uh, and, and doing his type of thing. The thing that have had that has stopped the Clippers from reaching their goals have been injuries whether it be to Kawhi, who missed a, an entire season because of an ACL injury, and a playoff series against the Dallas Mavericks in, in which he was playing at an extremely high level. That's been the bugaboo for Kawhi Leonard. It's been those injuries. Now, again, with Paul George, who was debilitated somewhat last season during the playoffs because of injury, George and such, uh, George and uh, Kawhi Leonard, you know, you, you still have to be just a tad bit cautious because disaster can turn, can hit at any turn. But if the Clippers can remain healthy, the trade for James Harden was brilliant. And I tell you why. Because people are going to lament and people are going to say, wait till the playoffs, wait till the playoffs, because we know about James Harden. James Harden is the Lamar Jackson of the NBA. Great during the regular season, lousy during the playoffs. But here's the thing with the Clippers. The expectations and the responsibilities and the impact that he was, that he was asked to have when he was with the Houston Rockets for all those years and with the Philadelphia 76ers, they're not going to be cast upon him when he's with the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. Why? Because that's Paul George's responsibility. That's going to be Kawhi Leonard's responsibility. So really, for James Harden, he's almost like the third banana in terms of the impact, in terms of how important he is if the Clippers are going to win. And so it's a situation where we're not going to be asking James Harden to take over a game in the playoffs. We're not going to be asking for James Harden to be that guy to strap the team on your shoulders. Strap your team on your shoulders. Lead him to victory, Harden. So they're not going to be asking him to do that. That's going to be Kawhi's job. That's going to be Paul George's job. What James Harden can be, is a very good point guard and a complimentary scorer in the playoffs when they need it. You have the outside shooting of Norman Powell. The, 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 the team is very well built. The team is very versatile in what they can do. Yeah, they might not have the the, the, the joker stoppage at the center position with Zubac and Daniel Tice. But still, this is a situation where Russell Westbrook is playing very well in his role. This is a situation where, you know, I don't know what the Clippers are going to do with P.J. Tucker, who's been begging to be traded because he's not in the rotation. So I don't know what they can get if they trade him. But the Clippers, as of right now, if they can remain this healthy, they're legit. And Kawhi Leonard being an MVP candidate, he's legit. The Denver Nuggets coming in at number four. 
35 and 16, have won seven of their last 10. They lost to Oklahoma City the other day, but that's with Nikola Jokic missing the game because of a lower back soreness. The Nuggets have wins over the Celtics, the Sixers, with Embiid and the Bucks over the last 17 days. With the loss to the Thunder, though, they're just 6-9 against the other teams that have won at least 60% of their games. The key is going to be, I think, the health of uh, Nikola Jokic. The differential when he goes to the bench is staggering. I think that Denver is still trying to find someone to, to fulfill the Bruce Brown, the, the Bruce Bowen role. Now, Bowen, after that trade with Indiana with Siakam, is going to be in Toronto. I don't know if the Nuggets can somehow, some way, bring him back, especially since there's going to be other playoff teams that are going to be also interested in his services. But whether it be Peyton Watson or whether it be Chris Braun or somebody on that bench for the Nuggets, it's going to have to step up. And Michael Porter Jr. is also going to have to step up somehow, some way. You know, I think that the chemistry that Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon have is going to be great, along with the long-term chemistry that's been built for years and years, the trials and tribulations that have been the cornerstone of the Nuggets when you talk about the tandem of Jamal Murray and uh, Nikola Jokic. I think that's set in stone. Um, I think Murray being a Robin to Nikola Jokic's Batman, I think will they propel them through the NBA championship uh, last season. I think it can do the same. But, you know, let's not discount some of the contributions that others gave that are going to be counted on, such as a Michael Porter Jr. as a Perry uh, Peyton Watson, someone off that bench for the Nuggets is going to have to bring in something in terms of them um, being a positive influence for the Nuggets to repeat as NBA champions. I just think of a situation like this, once you win an NBA championship, the regular season, what does it mean? Now that they've mowed through the Western Conference the year before, won the championship, Denver is now in that place where they're like, hey, look, man, just get us into the playoffs. We'll be fine. We'll be cool. We get the best player in the league. We got the NBA championship. We got the experience. We got the scars. We got the trials. We got the tribulations. We got the rings. We got everything. We, we, we know what we're doing. So we're just kind of cooling chilling right now get us into the playoffs so we can do our thing number five see the sacramento kings 29 and i believe 21 because i know that they lost uh last night to cleveland they went five and two on a seven game road trip losing again to cleveland they went from eighth to fifth with a two game edge over the uh phoenix sun for sixth place um deandre uh De'Aaron fox Demondis Sabonis playing well. They they need something else. They they need. I know Keegan Murray has also played well in the month of January, but they need something else. Harrison Barnes not getting it done. Um, you, you know I, I, they they need to make another trade and bring in another front court player. Six the Phoenix Suns twenty nine to twenty one. They've gone seven and three in their last ten. The Suns went four and three on their seven game road trip. Ending it by beating the brakes off of my pathetic Washington Wizards. Bradley Beal, 11-year man for the Wiz. After serving his 11-year sentence, got paroled, got traded. Scored a season-high 43 points in 31 minutes. Clowning the Wizards at every single turn. Made more shots from, the, from outside the paint than he did over the previous five games. Before those games... Beal shot just 3 from 11 from mid-range, 4 for 29 from three-point range. 
coming into Washington. So what better way to get better, what better way to fix those ills than playing the horribly defensed Washington Wizards? And Bill was enjoying every single moment of it. Situation where Devin Booker had an off game, KD was doing his thing. KD, Kevin Durant, my man, Prince George's County, which is part of the DMV. I remember when he was a free agent from Oklahoma City. And there was scuttlebutt that, hey, you know, maybe he might want to. Remember John Wall was basically begging this guy to uh, join the Wizards? You know, John Wall was up there. KD, you can join my team and we can go ahead and win a championship. And I used to sit up there and I used to laugh out loud and be like, yeah, that, that, that's a good idea. Let Kevin Durant, after I don't know how many years in Oklahoma City, now he's looking for a chance to really win multiple championships and have multiple opportunities to win championships. So, yeah, I got an idea. Let me throw my lot and let me throw my aspirations and and goals into the hands of Ernie Grunfeld. Yeah, that's that's the idea. Kevin Durant at his very best couldn't save the ineptitude of the GM, which was Ernie Grunfeld, for the Washington Wizards. The same dumbass who said, hmm, let me see here. Um, let me see. Steph Curry is going to be in this draft, and I have the number five draft pick. So instead, what I'll do is I will trade the number five draft pick to, I forgot. I think you traded the number five draft pick to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Randy Foy and Mike Miller. Hey, that's a great idea. The same dumbass who said, hmm, Flip Saunders, the coach of my Wizards, wanted to draft Clay Thompson. No, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Let me go ahead and draft Jan Vesely. Great idea, Ernie. Wonderful fucking idea. Because we need a we, we need a front court player who can run with John Wall. So instead of a backcourt mate like you could have with Clay Thompson, who can only who could also play the shooting who could go from shooting guard to small forward. No, nah, let's not do that. Let's go ahead and get Jan fucking Vesely. Good fucking idea, Ernie. Good job. Awesome job. Do I sound bitter? <laughs> Woo! So, yeah, so it was always funny to me that, like, like all Horford was a um, free agent at one time, and they were like, hey, you think he'll go to the Wizards? Yeah, that's, any player who wants to win anything stays 5,000 miles away from fucking Ernie Grunfeld. Unless you, unless you want to uh, go to the highest bidder, if the Wizards are going to be the highest bidder, and you're just in it for the money, then that's the only reason why I think anybody would go play for Ernie Grunfeld or a team that had the general manager of Ernie Grunfeld because his track record with the Washington Wizards proves I'm not talking about the fucking New York Knicks when he was Dave Checkett's lackey. I'm talking about when he was running an organization of his own, a team of his own. So don't so Knicks fans, save me the Pat Riley, Dave Checkett's 1990s New York Knicks. That was Pat Riley. That was Dave Checkett's. That was Patrick Ewing's. That had very little to do with Ernie Grunfeld. So when Leonard Grunfeld went to the Wizards and decided to do the Dave Checkett's role, we saw the catastrophe, the disaster that we're still trying to get out of. Him, Tommy Shepard. I forgot I wasn't going to talk about the Wizards. I'm sorry. 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 It's just... (sighs) Washington, D.C. basketball is just at its all-time low. On Saturday, I watched Georgetown get 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 embarrassed, humiliated by the um, by Marquette, and then the next day I had to watch the Wizards get embarrassed by the Phoenix Suns. So, if you're a professional or a high level 
basketball team in the, that plays in Washington D.C. that plays at the uh, MCI Center, then the uh, then uh, you know you're you're in for some bad bad dark days between Georgetown and uh, the Washington Wizards. Damn it, I keep going back to that shit. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, but the Phoenix Suns. Hey, look, man. You know, uh, they finally got the three players healthy. Beal, it's going to have to be that third guy. Beal is going to have to be that third guy. I mean, he's going to be the uh, the Kevin Love. He's going to be the Chris Bosh when you speak about, uh, you know, the, 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 the three main guys. He's going to be the main, he's going to be the Ray Allen. You know, when you speak about the three superstars, he's going to be the James Worthy. You know, in a situation like this, KD is going to be Magic. Devin Booker is going to be Kareem, and uh, Bradley Beal is going to be uh, James Worthy. Um, Kevin Durant's going to be LeBron. Devin Booker is going to be D Wade, and um, Bradley Beal is going to be Chris Bosh. Kevin Durant's going to be LeBron. Devin Booker is going to be um, Kyrie Irving, and Bradley Beal is going to be. Kevin Kevin Love. So we'll, we'll see what happens when a guy who is used to being the main man, or at least close to being the main man, I know that he might have been second fiddle in a lot of times during the John Wall, Bradley Beal condo uh, uh, duo at their best. But this is going to be a situation where, look, you know, his, his shot opportunities are going to go down, and he's going to have to adjust. The other players around the Suns, speak, speaking about Yusuf Nurkic, speaking about Grayson Allen, Speaking about uh, Eric Gordon, um, they've been getting better. Nurkic, while still kind of plodding, still around the basket, not finishing, still kind of a little iffy with that, he's getting better. He's getting better than the first time uh, I saw him or the first couple of months of the season. Um, Allen plays defense. Eric Gordon could be that guy off the bench to uh, provide scoring, even though he's been up and down in the games that I saw him. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. The Phoenix Suns themselves have been streaky and inconsistent during this season so far. So we'll see what Frank Vogel can do to rectify that. I just think it's a matter of now since Beal, since Beal, KD, and Booker are playing together because Beal missed some time because of injuries at the beginning of the season. Now it's going to be time for the last 30-something games for the Phoenix Suns to gel into possibly championship contenders. Um, play in tournament, the number seven seed, the New Orleans Pelicans, 29-21. and 21. They've won three straight. Great job. There are 17 uh, among the 17 teams currently above uh, 500. They're 13-9 against teams against that. I, I, I want to say this. I'm not saying trade the man. I'm not saying anything like this, but I'm kind of disappointed in Zion Williamson. Now, the good part about Zion, he's averaging 22 points. He's shooting 50-something percent or close to 60 percent, five and a half rebounds, four and a half assists. He seems to have to be a little bit more unselfish, more team-oriented at the offensive end. Health-wise, he's played in 39 of New Orleans' 50 games. If you remember last season, he played in 29. But but, but here's the thing where it's kind of like, man, you know, you got to do better. You're, you're, you're underwhelming. Five and a half rebounds per game. Someone that big? Someone that athletic? Five and a half. I don't think, and I've watched, you know, a decent amount of New Orleans Pelicans basketball. 
I don't think I've ever seen Zion actually box somebody out. It's, if, if he would put his big ass up on somebody to box them out, as big as strong as that guy is, I, I think the appetite for guys to try to crash the boards from the other teams would be a lot less if they saw Zion actively engaging and being physical. Not, not dirty, but physical in terms of boxing out and keeping the guys off the boards. I think the other teams, I, don't, I think the other players would be less enthusiastic to do so. But I've never seen Zion Williams box out anybody. A lot of times he's on the perimeter looking at the ball go in the air. He's not attacking the rim from a defensive standpoint. And when he's underneath the rim, he just kind of looks at the, he relies on athleticism. He doesn't box out. He doesn't really get into position. And you, you, you think about it. The 39 games that he's played, he's only had at least, he's only had 10 or more rebounds. Uh, uh, let me tell you, let me do five times. Yeah, only five games, the 39 games that he's played, that he's had at least 10 rebounds. His season high is only 11 rebounds. That's been twice. This is a guy who should be averaging 12 to 13 rebounds a game. If he wanted to be a rebounder, here's a guy who should be averaging 12 to 13 rebounds per game, but he doesn't. He's averaging almost seven foul shots per game. This is a guy who should be getting to the line over 10 times, especially the way that he attacks the basket. Because, thank goodness, he very rarely shoots threes anymore. He got out of a lot of the system his first couple of years in the league. But here's a guy who doesn't, he doesn't shoot a mid-range. He doesn't shoot 18-footers. He's attacking the basket on almost every play or almost every offensive touch in which he's looking to score. And because of that, as big and strong and athletic, and believe me, he's not as, as athletic that he was the first couple of years. That Zion that we saw when he was at Duke, that unbelievable, once-in-a-generation, all-time great athlete in his size and everything, that Zion is gone. Now, it's not completely gone. I'm not saying that he's grounded or anything like that, but if you watch him move, if you watch his explosiveness, he's still explosive as hell, just not as explosive as he was two or three years ago. That's understandable because of injuries and such, even though this season he has gotten himself in shape. But I would just like to see Zion, I don't know, rebound. Or concentrate on rebounding because the guy is too big not to. The Dallas Mavericks, 27-23. and 23. Kyrie Irving returned after missing nine games with an injured thumb. Um, Luka has been awesome. Luka has been tremendous. But I'm, I'm, Luka, mm, there's something missing. There's something missing. I know a guy of his usage rate. I know the guy of his responsibility of what he needs to do from an offensive standpoint on the floor. It's it's unbelievable. It's incredible. I don't want to minimize the stats that he's putting up. But man, when you have the ball, when you're in control of every single possession, almost every single touch, yeah. I mean, I hate to say this, but he could have a game where he scores 37 points, 12 assists, and 13 rebounds and still have a bad game. Because he has his blue, he has his fingerprints on everything offensively, especially from a scoring and passing standpoint. And I don't know. There, there just seems to be, I don't know what it is. Luca came in great shape, and individually he's putting up great numbers. But why is the team twenty-seven and twenty-three? You can speak about Kyrie Irving, who's been on his best be, best behavior, but he's missed some some games. Uh, we can speak about injuries. Dante Exum, the defensive stopper, has, has missed some games. 
Grant Williams was supposed to supply some toughness and some rebounding and some defense. His his production and his impact has diminished over the months since the season started. Tim Hardaway Jr. is strictly no more than a scorer. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with this Mavericks team. I thought their defense at the beginning of the season was better, but now it's starting to flounder again. Um, Luca again, a bad look the other night when he was yapping and yelling, so there's still some signs of immaturity in terms of him being the ultimate um, leader of a team that could win a championship. I don't, this is what, year four, year five? And I know the man's, what, 23, 24 years old, somewhere around there, and he's a generational talent. He's a historically great talent and player. He's already putting up numbers to do so, but yet still there's something missing in terms of the, the, the Mavericks should be better. And I can't point it on the coach. I can't point it on anything to start with besides Luka needs to be better. And when I say Luka needs to be better, I'm not talking about he needs to put up better numbers. I mean, he's averaging 30 points a game. I mean, this is a man who could very easily be averaging a triple-double. But still, he needs to be. there needs to be more. There needs to be more. From a leadership, leadership standpoint, from an... Um, Maturity standpoint, I think that when it, when it finally happens, I don't know if it's going to be when he's 26, 27, 28. I don't know when he's going to be in year six, seven, eight of, of his NBA career. And people all of a sudden are going to stop kind of, they're going to kind of start tuning out his numbers and be like, okay, well, that's great. But when he's going to win a championship and look in the playoff, Luca has been great. It's not like he's James Harden in the playoffs. Luca has still been great, but still there's something missing. And I can't put my hands on it, but I do know when my finger's pointing, it's pointing at Luca. And again, I'm not I'm not saying Luca, you need to score more points. Luca, you need to get other people involved. Luca, you need to hit the the boards more. It's just a matter of A, you need to try a little bit harder on defense and, and, and B be a better leader. What does that mean? I don't know. Jason Kidd. As a guy who won a championship ring, he was a leader during his time, so he's learning from a guy who knows about that much more than I do. But I don't know. It just seems like from that team something is missing. But the uh, Dallas Mavericks still in that play-in game, still having the opportunity to uh, make the playoffs, are 27-23. and 23. Who's up next? Who's up next? The Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, my goodness gracious. 27 and 25. They've won three games in a row. They beat Boston without LeBron and AD. The Celtics were 22 and 3 at home. They beat the Knicks, ended their nine game winning streak, and they were 11 and 1 since Christmas. Um, are they going to make any trades before the trade deadline? Here's the deal LeBron's been chirping. Well, I shouldn't say he's been chirping, but LeBron's been doing his LeBron. Like this passive aggressive, hey, um, you know, don't ask me how we're going to make the team better, but boy, you know, I see some teams making trades. Hmm. Hmm. No, I'm not saying, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that the Lakers need to make trades. I just find it interesting that there's other team making trades. Hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, man, just, you know. So, you know, this whole deal, LeBron comes in, LeBron, the agent had to come out or his manager or his partner had to come out. No, LeBron's not going to the New York Knicks. Okay, where did that, where did that come from? Really? A man who has been set up in Los, in Los Angeles, California, has his other business ventures in Los, Los Angeles, California. He's going to now go to New York. 
His son is playing over in a, a, at USC. His son, his other son, Bryce, is playing uh, high school basketball. I mean, and, and, and we're going to be sitting here thinking about or talking about or discussing the possibility of the Lakers or LeBron forcing his way to the New York Knicks. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. What are the Lakers going to do? They're not a DeJounte Murray trade away from being NBA contenders. This ain't going to be last year where they meet the boot for Rui Hachimura and others and they turn their season around. This is this is not the same deal. And if you would have asked me, the Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James playing at the level that they've been playing at and playing in the number of games that they've been playing at, and the Lakers are still going to be in this position? I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Utah Jazz, 25-26. After an 11-2 stretch, they've lost six of their last eight, but their only wins coming against the Wizards, semi-pro, and the Charlotte Hornets. So, you know, Utah is the way it is. And then the rest of the pack, Houston, Golden State, Memphis, Portland, and the uh, San Antonio Spurs. So that's the Western Conference. So when I get back, after boogieing a little bit, boogieing on down, Let me go ahead and talk about the trade deadline, which is going to be coming up on this Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Which teams should be sellers, which teams should be buyers, all that good stuff. I'll hit it real quick because i got to get out of here. So, Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World in Sports. Last segment of the podcast, last segment of the program. Wendell's World of Sports. Going to make this very quickly. I'm going to do this very quickly because, again, I want a good NBA night. We're going to have Luca playing the uh, Brooklyn Nets. And then we're going to have the um, Milwaukee Bucks at the Phoenix Suns. So, again, I'm recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. It's going to be a good game night in the... um, NBA. And again, you know, my next podcast, I'll go ahead and I'll get back to the Super Bowl and what does it mean for the winner? What does it mean for the loser? And hit some NBA news because after the NBA, after the uh, Super Bowl, that's going to be it for a while, right? The season doesn't start again until September. I know we have free agency and I know we have the draft, which we'll be discussing. I'm not going to be getting in the OTAs and all that other stuff. So, Basically, in terms of playing football is concerned, after Sunday, that's it, man. It is over. It is done. So, uh, you know, we'll go ahead and and tackle that. But, you know, we we still have the NBA. We still have some other things to speak about. So, we'll be all right. We'll we'll be in a decent situation. Um, NBA trade deadline, again, starts this, uh, this week, Thursday. 
Let me make this real quick. When you speak about teams that should be sellers, which teams should be buyers, of course, we're going to be starting with the Los Angeles Lakers. Again, their current situation, 27-25, nine games back of the number one spot in the Western Conference, three games behind Phoenix for the number six spot. The, the Lakers underachieved, yeah, but there was always a situation where, look, you know, they, they got very fortunate in terms of the run that they made to the Western Conference Finals last season. They beat a Memphis team, which was totally immature and totally unprepared to really do anything except run their mouths and talk about how great they were. Uh, there was a John, John Morant, this, this discussion, dissension, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, then they went ahead and they played the um, Golden State Warriors, a team again that had beaten a Sacramento Kings team that was still learning how to play. Um, Clay Thompson had a horrible series. The Lakers proved to be a better team in that. And then when they played a team that was their equal or more than their equal, the Denver Nuggets, they were swept. So it was a situation where, yeah, okay, the Lakers made it to the Western Conference Finals, but this was also a team where they were in the playing tournament to get to the playoffs to start their run. So the situation moving forward was some of the moves that they made, it was like, okay, that's decent, but I don't see where that propels them past some of the other teams to put them in real contention to win an NBA championship. Rui Hachimura, who played out of his fucking mind against Memphis, he never played that well uh, when he was with the Wizards, you knew that Rudy Hachimura, who signed with a three-year, $51 million contract, you knew the Rui Hachimura that played against Memphis, you knew that wasn't going to be the same guy that you could count on the entire season for the Lakers, and he's been injured and, and that type of thing. He's been up and down. D'Angelo Russell, there's been a reason why he's been traded, I don't know, four or five times. I know he started with the Lakers, and then he went to uh, Brooklyn, and then he went to... Um, Golden State, and I think there are some teams that I'm missing in between Brooklyn and the uh, Lakers, or I don't know, whatever. But he's been on multiple number of teams, and um, that was going to be your guy that was going to help you get to the NBA Finals or get you over the hump over the Denver Nuggets. They signed uh, Gabe Vincent, who hasn't played yet this season because of injury. And if you're looking for the return of Gabe Vincent to all of a sudden propel you to NBA status of winning a championship you're you're foolhardy at best they signed austin reeves great that's wonderful that's awesome austin reeves is a good player it's a good player but that's all he is he's a good player he's not the number three guy on the team that's going to win you a championship and i think where he came from the fact that he played with the lakers and where he came from and um the, the contract that he signed I think that put way too much in terms of how great Austin Reeves is. It's almost like the it's almost like the Brock Purdy situation, you know. In, in terms of, yeah, I think we're giving a little too much praise and glory to Brock Purdy because of the situation where he came in, the last player picked, and all these type of things, and overcame the odds. So I, I think that has filtered into kind of deciding how good this guy is. That's the same thing with Austin Reeves. I mean, Austin Reeves out of out of Oklahoma wasn't drafted, blah, 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 and this, that, the other. Just like, okay, again, he's a good player. He is a good NBA player. But are you going to rely on Austin Reeves to carry the, you know, carry the bucket for you if there's going to be a situation with LeBron and AD being out? I know he did it against Boston, but that's only one game. So all of these things kind of st st stuck in my head to say, 
that's going to make the uh, Lakers championship contenders. So, obviously, it hasn't worked. Obviously, they've been all over the place in terms of, uh, you know, how good they are. They beat Boston without AD and LeBron, but they can't beat Atlanta. So, it's been that it's been that way the entire year. So are they going to trade for DeJounte Murray? Are they going to be willing to give up that 2029 draft pick, the first-round draft pick, the only one that they have, knowing that, uh, you know, they have to look out for the future, especially if they're not going to be able to win a championship. If you're going to be giving up that first-round pick so the Lakers can win another round in the playoffs, that's not going to be doing anything. And now you've got LeBron kind of dropping these hints in terms of, well, I don't know, and we need to do something, but I'm not the guy to say so. I mean, when you start doing that type of shit, and you're thinking about, we need to put all of our chips in the one basket with LeBron, when, you know, we it, it's, it's nice to do so now, but, you know, down the road, you also have to think about your franchise. You have to think about your franchise of winning a championship today, especially when you still have LeBron playing at the level that he's playing in, but you also have to think about, okay, now, when LeBron does retire, leave, do whatever, which could be anywhere between one and three to five years, where are we going to be at a franchise? What are we going to be doing at a franchise? And LeBron has left teams, you know, destroyed after he's left because, see, Cleveland, because it's a situation where I need to win, I need to win, I need to win, you need to get me better players, I need better players. So Cavaliers give up their first-round draft picks and all this type of stuff for LeBron to, uh, you know, make it to the finals, do what he needs to do, but when they lose and when his contract is up, for him to say, okay, now I'm going to the Lakers. I'm a free agent. Thanks for everything. Thanks for trying. I'm going to the Lakers, and Cleveland's left with nothing. So if you're Cleveland, how do you rebuild? Because we gave away our first-round draft picks. We gave away everything so we can win now. And now the guy that we we basically prostituted our future for is now no longer with us. So if you're the Lakers and you're Rob Palenka, you have to make that decision on where you're going to go, what you want to do. And, like, again, 52 games the Lakers have played this season. LeBron has played in 46 of them. AD has played in 48 of them. LeBron is averaging 25 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. AD is averaging 25 points with 12 rebounds and 4 assists. If you would have said before the season that those would be the numbers and the number of games played for LeBron and AD, you probably would have been guessing that the Lakers would be where the Oklahoma City Thunder, Minnesota Timberwolves, or LA Clippers were in the standings. Not 27 and 25, barely above water. To get into the playoffs. And so what's the deal here? Bruce Bowen is going to turn things around. DeJounte Murray is going to turn things around for the squad. That's going to make them better than Denver. That's going to make them compete with LA. The Clippers. Now I know that they beat the Clippers recently. But again, this is a team that, okay, you can beat the Boston Celtics without LeBron and AD. But this is also a team that you can lose to uh, as far as the Atlanta Hawks are concerned. So we don't know what the hell is going on. With this team. So, if I'm the Lakers, I don't know what you do, man. The Chicago Bulls, another team, again, they're playing in the play-in. ESPN Brian Warnhorst said that there's no indication that Alex Caruso or DeMar DeRozan are going to be made available. I mean, I don't know what the Milwaukee Bucks have to give. I don't know if Pat Connington and a couple of young players on that squad are going to be enough. Marshawn Bochamp, I don't know if that's going to shake any trees or do anything or... I don't know what their first round or draft pick situation is concerned. I know that they uh, mortgage their future when trading for Dane, but 
I mean, I'm thinking about Alex Caruso being on the Milwaukee Bucks at the difference between them winning and losing to the Boston Celtics. So if you're the Chicago Bulls, will you even listen to the Milwaukee Bucks? If you're the Milwaukee Bucks, okay, you got Giannis signed for a couple of more years. He signed that extension. But realistically, you have about, I don't know, maybe two years tops, three years tops for the team the way that it's construed now to win a championship. I mean, are we are we going to try to do everything that we can? Because if we do, if you are, I'm calling the Bucks and saying, excuse me, I'm calling the Bulls and saying, is there anything that we can do to get get you Alex Caruso outside of trading Dame or Giannis or Chris Middleton or Brock or uh, Brooke Lopez? Is there anybody else? You want Malik Beasley? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. So yeah, so so the Bulls are like no, and according to Adrian Wojnarowski, the Bulls, if the Bulls were going to trade. Alice Caruso, it would basically be for what the Knicks paid to get OG and Anobi, which was draft picks and, and a starter, along with a solid bench player. Because if you remember, the Knicks had to get in, acquired Anobi, but they had to uh, give up R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel quickly in the second round draft pick. Milwaukee doesn't have that. That's the That would be the equivalent of Milwaukee giving up um, R.J. Barrett, a second round pick, and I don't know. There's nobody. There's no Emmanuel Quickly type of player on the Milwaukee Bucks bench, so I don't. I don't know if you're Milwaukee, what you would do. But Alex Russo would be a godsend on that team for the Bucks. Should the Golden State Warriors again? I discussed it before in earlier podcasts. What are they going to do now? Brian Windhorst and Kendrick Perkins were speaking on their show about you know whether. Clay Thompson should be traded. And when Horace was like, the Warriors aren't trading Clay Thompson, a guy who was part of the dynasty, they're going to put a statue in front of the arena along with Steph uh, when everything is all said and done. They're not going to be trading him. Well, okay, number one, the way Clay Thompson has been playing this season, what other team is going to want him? A 34 year old Clay Thompson who's coming off of those injuries, number one, it's got to be a team that's thinking about. Competing for a championship, so you wouldn't you wouldn't send him for a, to a team that's rebuilding, and everything that he's done for the organization. If you're Golden State, you're definitely you're not going to trade him to the Wizards. You're not going to trade him to Charlotte. You're not going to trade him to Detroit. You're not going to trade him to any of those bottom out squads, those lousy organizations. You're not going to trade him to a joke of a franchise like the Washington Wizards and play in front of a dead arena. You're not going to be you're not going to do that. So have him be reunited with Jordan Poole. You, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that to your worst enemy. You'd be playing for that fucking sorry-ass franchise. Am I rambling about the Wizards again? But, uh, so, you know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're Denver, are you interested in Klay Thompson? If you're Minnesota, are you interested in Klay Thompson? If you're Cleveland, are you interested in Klay Thompson? What, what, Klay Thompson isn't that guy anymore. Klay Thompson's not even finishing games for his team that's under 500 right now. And is on the outside looking into the playoffs. So all of a sudden now a change of scenery is going to turn back to time, the hands of time, five or six years for Klay Thompson. So I, I don't know what would even be the point for Golden State to trade Klay Thompson. Now there's been some interest with Andrew Wiggins. Um, and the Warriors have been you know taking phone calls and listening to offers because Jonathan, Jonathan Kaminga has made steps to basically replace um, 
Andrew Wiggins in that role and in that importance and continue his maturation process. But with the Golden State Warriors, I don't know where you go. I don't know what you do because they're stuck. They're stuck between the Kamingas and the Moses Moody's of that squad and the Steph and the Clay and the Dre's of that world. Where, look, that threesome, the Kevon Looney's, that, 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 that team that was... Uh, that, that, that team that won a championship, the team of Kevon Looney, Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, that team isn't good enough not just winning a championship. What they've shown is they're not even good enough to make the uh, playoffs. And no matter how many times Steph Curry has to score 60 points against a team that plays no defense like the Atlanta Hawks and they still lose in overtime, how many games they have to lose in crunch situations despite the brilliance of Steph Curry, the team isn't good enough to um, really do anything. So I don't know where you go. I don't know what you can do. Again, if you're Golden State, there's really no moves that you can make out there to make yourself better. And if you're Golden State in terms of acquiring players, and if you're the Golden State Warriors, there's really no trade that you can make in terms of the players that you have right now to make yourself better. Hell, you could trade, You could. they won't, but you could trade Steph Curry. The return isn't going to be anywhere close to get you back to vying for playoffs in that type of situations. So, you know, I don't know what you do. DeJon Murray, D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins, some of these other guys, I don't know. Teams that are going to be making trades at the trade deadline are basically going to be just to fill needs, just to, if they have a weakness, to make it, to make it better, to make it stronger. And when I say that, it's maybe adding some depth. Maybe adding a backup center. Maybe adding a point guard. A TJ McConnell. If the Suns somehow, some way, could call up Indiana and see what they could do to get TJ McConnell, I think for the Suns that would be monumental. Now again, they don't have anything to trade with, and I wouldn't trade Grayson Allen. I wouldn't trade. Uh, I wouldn't trade. I don't think I. Pro- I wouldn't trade Eric uh, Eric Gordon. So really, the, the Suns don't have any draft picks. They don't have any draft capital because of what they did to acquire not only Kevin Durant, but also Bradley Beal. So there really is no draft capital to present to Indiana to get them to try to um, trade with them for T.J. McConnell. But for a team that needs a point guard, yeah, I know Devin Booker's done a great job, but once the playoff hits, man, if I'm Phoenix, I need a traditional point guard at, at, at least to play 15, 20 minutes or at least 12 to 18 minutes during the playoffs at the point guard position, and T.J. McConnell could be that guy. But, you know, I don't know what Indiana's going to do or what Indiana is looking for. I don't even know if the Suns are really even interested in that regard. So we'll see. All right, let me get on out of here. I've been yapping long enough. Damn, it's almost two hours. want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. Subscribe, download, rate, review, all that good stuff. And remember, y'all, please be good to each other. Please see what we need to do to make this world a better place to be. Please find it in your heart, not your mind, not because you have to, but find it in your heart to see what you can do to be curious about learning about others. And that curiosity in learning about each other will be able to bring you that respect for them, that love for them, that empathy for them, that sympathy for them, that understanding for them. And in turn, if you want to even put it in the I sentence, the me sentence, the selfish sentence, Knowing more, being more educated, being more aware, being more worldly will only help you out. 
It'll help you out in your endeavors. It'll make your life happier. It'll make your self-esteem grow stronger. You'll have better friends. You'll have better understandings. You'll have more peace. You'll have more serenity. You'll have more knowledge and understanding, which is always a good thing to pass along to your kids, to pass along to your students, to pass along to your spouse, to pass along to everyone. Because again, that's what the world needs now, man. It needs love, peace, unity, empathy. I don't give a fuck who you... I don't give a fuck who you... Love, I don't care who is your God, I don't care. Empathy, love, support, happiness, trust, those are the things, man. That supersedes everything, all right? All right, Um, time for me to take a hike because you don't want to make me angry. So please, get me out of here with some music. <laughs> 